She's a real woman with a real life. She's someone you can relate to. Dawn Newton. the Don Newton Podcast. I am your host, Don Newton. You know, when it comes to organizing and decluttering, it can get so overwhelming and so frustrating that we don't know where to begin. And so we don't. Well, my guests today are here to offer some pro tips and myth busters on how to achieve your dream home through the simple power of organizing. Anne Lightfoot and Kate Pulowski, the mother-daughter duo, are celebrities in the organization world. Now the two are sharing their expertise in their new book, Love Your Home Again, Organize Your Space and Uncover the Home of Your Dreams. Anne Lightfoot, and Kate Pulowski. I really appreciate this opportunity to talk with you. We're talking today about your book, Love Your Home Again, Organize Your Space and Uncover the Home of Your Dreams. Um, you know, done and done that business and what you've done, done and done home. I just feel like I'm talking to some organization celebrities here, so I appreciate that. <laughs> um, you're a mother-daughter team. You've been doing this for what, well over 10 years, if not longer. How did this get started? Like, Kate, were you always, as a child, very organized? Was this something that was always in your blood? Or Anne, was that something you instilled? Or I always, I was always curious how, did Kate put her toys away nice and effectively in organized? <laughs> my mom likes to tell a story about me that in high school, I come out of my room with a garbage bag full of stuff. And she would say, what's in my city garbage? That's why it's in a garbage bag. So I, I would say, yes, I've always been more um, on the organized side and certainly um, on the, you know, minimalist side of things. But we, we like to say that my brother is the only client we've ever had who we couldn't actually help. So it, it, it's not necessarily genetic in that way. And it's probably just, I'm taking a stance. You're not going to convert me. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, it's funny because he's older now and now he is good at it. But as a young person, yeah, he's still the last few years. He had no interest in it whatsoever. It made him anxious to get that organized. Well, and I have to tell you just, and I'm sure this is something you hear all the time and maybe you've experienced it as, you know, we, we turn around and we're like, oh my God, how did this closet get like this or this drawer or, or my office? And then it gets so overwhelming and the anxiety sets in, like, I don't even know where to begin, so I'm not. <laughs> and, well, you know, but I think that that is extremely common and I think people do get overwhelmed. And a lot of times when people hire us, it's even, you know, I say to them, hire us for just a day, hire a team for a day, and it will be the thing that will allow you to move forward because, as you say, it's overwhelming. Well, and I think that people think like, oh, my gosh, I have to get my entire house in order. And it's like, maybe you do, but you don't have to today. Just start with one small thing, which will give you the motivation and the strength to go on to another small thing. And then something a little bit bigger, you'll build your muscle as you go. Well, and I think, too, and it, it's in our talking points, and, it, and it's so true, is that we think we have to be color coded. We have to have the bins and the labels, and we have to look like what we see on Instagram, that dang Instagram. <laughs> Love hate. Yeah, right. And it is not real. And, I, you know, I grew up in the 70s and my mom is in her mid 80s now. And the idea that somehow you would have been able to get my mom and her friends on board for color coding <laughs> and organizing, whatever, it was just it's just a silly, silly notion. And so we try to say we don't want to make anyone's lives, especially the lives of, you know, homeowners and parents or whatever, any harder than it already is. Their lives are fully busy with so many things, including careers besides being parents. 
and to make it like color-coded pressure it's just horrible well and, and talk about that too like what what are we instead of falling trapped to that or adding that added pressure to ourselves i mean i've done it too is the matching wicker baskets with the little cute mm-hmm. labels and they're all lined up and all the things but if i can't see what's in it it doesn't help me at all so usually it's like i need a clear thing or just stack it nice on the shelf so i can see what's there what are some other solutions or things that maybe we could retrain our brain to think about the very biggest thing about organizing like when people say to me I'm, i find organizing very hard and i always say it's not organizing that's hard it's decluttering that's hard and so if you have the right amount of belongings in your home it will make it easier but what that all leads to is just the idea of buying less and having less and retraining your mind in that way and it's very hard there's so much stuff available at very reasonable prices that you can treat yourself with a little this or a little that and bring it home and when you train your mind to think i am responsible for this for the lifetime of this object it does make it less like wait i don't actually need another x whatever it may be and it's funny when people start working for us on our team of organizers in the first year they find themselves buying less and less just generally in their own lives because of this, because they realize when they're helping people get rid of things that it's very, very hard to run a home where you're constantly bringing things in. And everybody is. Like we always say, it's not big judgment on our part. We just want to help. We understand how it happens. We understand how tempting it is and how hard it is to say no. Like when you take a child with you to Target and you say no 25 times and you say yes twice. Well, and talk too about the emotional attachment I mean, because we're talking about things the stuff right. and the things, but the, the human us that are involved in this equation and our emotional attachment, that I, I think that's probably one of the biggest, I don't know, conflicts or difficulties when decluttering or, or trying to organize. I think that's definitely true. And I think that whether it's, you know, a toy that your child played with when they were little or the sweater you wore on your first date when you met your husband or any of the things that you know, humans are inclined to attach meaning to the item. I think because they, you know, you feel like you might forget, you're going to forget the memories, you're going to forget the person, you're going to forget where you were, what you were doing. And it just makes it hard. It makes it really, really difficult to let things go. But the truth is, if the item is no longer serving you, and you don't need it, and you don't use it, and even if you loved it at one point, you no longer do, those are the items that are really you know, taking up space that you need for your current life and the life that you're living now, not, you know, the life you're living in the past. Well, in our experience, after all these years of doing this, do learn the thing that people are basically good. They are basically trying to do the right thing. They want to practice gratitude for the gift that they were given, and they want to not waste money, even though it's already been spent. It feels like taking that next step of throwing it away, donating it, giving it to somebody else, whatever it may be, um, that that is, you know, wasteful. And so one of the things is practicing, like it's already happened. The money's already been spent. In very rare cases, are you going to get any money back? And so people often say, oh, I want this to go to a good home. And the retraining the brain on that one is to think wherever these things are going, if someone else can use them, that's the right home. That's a good home. So if it has any chance of being going out to the universe and ending up in the hands of somebody else who could use that sweater, that chair, that toy, whatever the thing is, let it go. And the sooner you let it go, the more likely, because it's still in style or still desirable, that someone else will grab it 
at, you know, Goodwill or it will get in the hands of someone else. Well, you know, and, and some of you just mentioned as far as like your your mom's old saucepan or that sweater from the first date. And it only means something necessarily to you just for nostalgic reasons, memories. You know, my parents have both passed. My mom passed just recently. And I have tubs and tubs of um, photo albums of people that I don't know who they are, but I'm like, I don't know what to do with all these photo albums. What do people do with photo albums of the past? Well, I will tell you, you are in the position, that's what we call the project for the cold winter's eve. And, uh, <laughs> right? Sitting by the fire or a, a cup of cocoa. Right. And so you go through those things and give yourself the right amount of time to tackle an album, a box, a whatever it will be. And it feels sad to discard photos of people that someone once knew. And so it's more like try and think about, um, you know, the excess photos that came into your life and certainly digitally now we all have zillions. Um, but, you know, your high school photos or something, you get all these random photos in there and you're willing to look and go like, yeah, these eight have meaning. I don't even know these people anymore. And so when you think of someone else's photos, it really is that even the old beautiful ones, because they were better made, frankly, those beautiful black and whites, it feels absolutely terrible. But if you don't know who the people are, Nobody will ever know, right? It's happened now. And with that, a bit of advice that if there are elder people in your family that can still identify people and you want to put the names and the dates on the back of the photo with pencil, it's a good idea to do it while someone is around to help you out. I think I was looking, Anne, for permission to do exactly what you just told me to do. And it is really that you can sit with a bag on one side and a box on the other and put the ones that you like and want and know those people in the box and put the rest in the bag. They are now garbage. And, you, you know, especially because your mom just very recently died, it feels it has heavier emotion. And so if you say, I can't actually do this right now, you don't have to do it. Like put them somewhere where they won't get, you know, any damp or anything in there or, you know, splash out for airtight bins to buy yourself the time and leave it for later and give yourself that permission as well. Because it's hard what you're going through and grief is tiring anyway. And so to then try and find the energy to do this, very, very difficult. Well, and it might be that out of an entire album, you want five photos. Right? And so you know, what was taking up quite a bit of space in your home doesn't need to take up that much space. Well, and if you end up with a couple photos that you can absorb into your everyday life, like I have a, um, a photo of the night my parents got engaged. And it's lovely. And when I found it, I can't remember how it came through to me, but I got one for each of my four siblings and had it framed. Because it's tiny, Right. But it's something that you can just set on a, you know, a corner somewhere, a dresser, a vanity or whatever. And then you just look at it and you go, oh, mom and dad, you don't need to think about it every single minute. But to have some that you can see, right, so you don't have to feel like all of them have to stay put away for forever. Those are I just love what you just said that that is just like giving me a big sigh of relief, quite frankly, just hearing those ideas. And I know just even we're talking about our kids, baby pictures. Do we need every single picture of um you know the sand castle building for no it's so hard <laughs> even digitally speaking so i have a six-year-old and a two and a half year old and another on the way and i've got i mean if those pictures were printed that are in my phone i mean for god's sake but then you look at them in your phone and you're like well they're not really taking up any space but you can't even find the good ones because there's so many random ones in there. well and when i was young when you know kate is 35 and my son is 36 um Photos were the thing, obviously. There was no digital. People had loads of framed photos in their homes. 
But weirdly, they're all just in our phone now. Like, very rarely do we go into someone's home and be yeah, and a lot of them actually be printed. Right? So it's gotten into this strange thing where we're really almost like hoarding them, right? We have all those photos, but we aren't really doing anything with them, which is odd. I wonder what the future will hold for all of that. When you start working with clients, what is that like, having that dialogue? Do you tell them, do they get to participate in your work? Or do you yeah, tell them... They do. Take a weekend and go disappear, and when you come back, I'll have everything done for you. No, no not at all. The only time we will work with um, clients not in the home is during an unpack. Like if we've worked with them in their previous home, and then we're unpacking them in the new home, and we already know them. But during decluttering, we can't decide what someone should keep or get rid of or how they want their closet to be organized because we don't know. Do they tend to wear T-shirts more or sweaters more? Like once we get to know them, it's a little bit you know, easier to do that. And it is just quite intimate and sort of magical um, what the, the relationships that are formed. And, you know, Kate and I used to, when we started out, we did every job. And now we have this big team of organizers, but everybody, all of our organizers are over 50, which is an interesting and odd thing about our company. Um, when we started expanding, we thought we would hire young women because they would frankly be cheaper, but it didn't work out like that. It takes a lifetime of experience to learn how to do this and how to be there in someone else's home with their things and take good care of them and practice patience and compassion and understand that, you know, what happens in a home is it's a complex thing. It's, it's almost like its own separate entity. And so taking someone through that process of going through their things, it takes a lot, right? It takes a lot of um, kind of emotional strength and patience, like I said, to get the person through, but they have to make a decision. So I always say, you won't be physically tired at the end of the day, but you will be emotionally exhausted. <laughs> we'll do the work for you, but right, so we're pulling boxes out. You know, we always say like with like. So when we're doing a closet or something like that, you know, the homeowner can do what they're doing and then we pull everything out. So that let's say on the bed, we have stacks of sweaters and all different sorts. And then we subcategorize, subcategorize. And so then they come back and they go, wait, all those black sweaters are mine or all that? What? And then they go through and make the decisions and we say, you know, absolute yes, pull those out first. It's like shopping your own closet and absolute no, let those go to the donate bag. And then you have to swing back around and make all those in between decisions. Talk to about philosophy of owning well. I found that really interesting. So when we started out the first year we were doing this, like I said, when our organizers are new to us, it's staggering how much we all have, how much we don't want, what we hold. It's really just this overwhelming thing. And so in the first year, you know, Kate and I both lived in Manhattan at that time. And, you know, so our spaces are much smaller than they are in the rest of the country generally. Small closets, you know, smaller rooms, whatever. Um, and so we started thinking about, like, why are we a little bit different and how could we be different? And I lived in England for a long time. And my European friends, they purchased less than we did, but they were very careful shoppers. And so that was, of course, before Internet shopping, but they would really take their time and they would make a list of what they actually needed. Like, oh, that sweater has a slight hole. I'm going to need to replace that. And they were just very careful with what they bought, but they bought the best they could afford. And that's what owning well is. So if you're thinking about something, well, I'm going to have to take care of this for the lifetime of the item. Okay. How much am I willing to spend? And then cost per wear. Is it your winter coat? Are you going to wear it all the time? Or is it just a one-off sort of dress that you're wearing for a special occasion? Is it likely to get worn multiple times more? And just think about it. Really think about what you're doing. About the book, Love Your Home Again. How do we use this? Who is it for? So, well, it's interesting. Since we wrote and got feedback on it, here's the strange thing that we've learned. We have loads of men who are fans of the book, which we did not expect at all. That was a huge surprise. 
Um, but everywhere we go, an old friend and people's uncle, you know, that kind of thing. Say, like, I didn't know how to do this. I didn't know how to think about it. And so we wrote the book because we get lots of calls from people who are either outside of the district that we take care of here in the tri-state area. Um, we do have travel teams, but that gets very expensive. So we wanted to be able to help those people. And also some people just simply can't afford us. And so we're like, you know what? We could teach them how to do this. And so that's what it was about, really helping others the way we've been able to help our clients in person. And it's really anybody who has a home, right? <laughs> like, if anybody whose home is not functioning the way they want it to and they don't feel happy and peaceful there and it's broken down room by room with what the goals for that space might be, like to have a really efficient kitchen or a really relaxing family room and how to get that and how to think that through. And then we have a course by the same name that goes really in depth into each of the areas that we talk about in the book. Like we're limited on space in the book, but in our course, you get like videos and far more in depth on each and every little area. So it's like you could take however long it takes you, but you could get every room in your house feeling absolutely stress-free. And what about those of us, I'm not naming names myself, that says, well, I'm just going to have a garage sale because I'm not going to give this away. I might try to recoup. And then I create a whole nother section of clutter. Okay. So, we're saying our favorite, our favorite phrase ever is sunk cost. You already spent the money. It's already gone. And the chances that you're going to recruit even like pennies on the dollar for what you spent, you're just not. Well, and here we can tell you the story because we are, we are exactly like you. All humans appear to be pretty much the same when it comes to this stuff. And so when we were first doing this, people would say to us like, you too. You, you can take these things. You know, if you want to donate it, you and you know we didn't have like a whole system at that point. So we would say like, okay, and we would fill up Kate's car at that point, and she was dating her now husband, and we ended up filling up his whole basement and saying like, okay, we'll just have a garage sale in the spring. But when it came, talk about daunting. We had so much stuff, and so we brought it. We had to enlist both our husbands. We had to get up at like four in the morning because we were learning about this work and get it all set up. And at the very beginning, we first started, an elderly man with a van came up to me and gave me his card. And he said, uh, give me a call at the end of the day and I'll take away anything you want. I was just like, what, what do you mean? And he goes, whatever you don't sell, I'll just take it away for you. And I was like, yeah, I don't think that'll be happening, but thank you, sir. At the end of the day, I was like, hi, Dan, please come back. We, I, I think if I remember correctly, of the, the four of us together, we each made $36. Are you like, there's no money in that. Nobody wants your old used stuff. Nobody's going to pay you for it. It's just horrifying, but you have to be able to laugh about it and let it go. My little sister taught me how she does this. She, she's the most minimalist of all because Kate and I are not minimalist particularly. We just don't have as much stuff as other people. But my little sister has a thing where years ago when she couldn't get rid of things, she didn't know what to do with it. And then she tried to picture like another person like herself, but like younger with less money and whatever the thing was. And she was like, I just made up this character and I just leave the things for her. At Goodwill right. or wherever, yeah, right. She's like, like that lovely the same size. I love these. She's the same size, and she likes the same strange things that I picked up for my kitchen and whatever the things are. And so you just have to know the person is out there, and you're just helping to get it in their hands. Well, when you think that there's money to be made, you just have to remember that every single person you know, and then every single person you don't know, also wants to sell all their weird random stuff. And so, like, the market is flooded with everybody else's weird used stuff. <laughs> 
It's awesome. There's just very little money out there for it. You are so much better off just letting it go, enjoying your home, and then, as we like to say, watch the front door. Just stop buying so much. Well, and you know the things where you find, like, with the tag on it, right, where you go, this, I'm really the worst person that ever existed. I, I never even took the tags off this. I never wore it. But that is a fine for somebody on the other side of this. Well, and right? I even had this the other day. So I had a coat in my front hall closet that my husband got me as a gift that it just never worked out. He got me two coats at the same time, which was a little bit odd. And I loved one and I never wore the other. And so finally I was getting, you know, this year I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm, it's been like three years. I've never worn it. Out it goes. And I had this moment of like, well, I mean, this is too high quality to just donate. And I was like, so I'm supposed to be donating garbage? No. Donate all the nice stuff that you have so that people who are in need can enjoy it and then throw away the garbage that is actual garbage. See, you just created something there, too, or what you stated. It was like, well, I can't throw this away. I'm going to hurt my husband's feelings. Yeah. Well, we just had a gift thing this morning. My mom and I were laughing about that. So what we say about that is basically when someone gives you a gift, your obligation is to say thank you for that gift. And then you own that object. So if you don't like it and you don't want it, you have the right to let it go. It is very hard, though, in long-term intimate relationships, like you and your husband, where he's like, what do we, you should wear those earrings. And you're like, oh, those. <laughs> but y'all start to say you just hold on to them forever to not hurt someone's feelings? I don't know. It's, yeah. I'm a little more ruthless than she is. It, it is. It's just an interesting dance, especially if you know that it's tough for your spouse, your significant other, to shop for you. And it, yeah. you know, they really went to the effort. And yeah, there's just... It's all emotion, and it's all the humans. If you could just get the humans out of it, it'd probably be stuff. Then it would just be stuff, and then it would well, And I guess the thing with spouses, you start out at, you know, however old you are in your 20s, your 30s, whatever, and you're hoping to really go the distance. So you're going to be married to that person for 50 or 60 or 70 years. You get, the amazing thing would be is if we all got better with honesty at gift-giving and accepting, and right? Exactly. And so that they were able to say to us, thank you so much. I know how hard you tried, but it's not what I want. You go, ouch, okay, what do you want? And then you'd get better. Oh, this is amazing. I love the book, This Work. I just, I mean, talking to both of you has been such a delight. Where can we go, Anne and Kate, to find the book and learn more about you and your work? So the book is sold everywhere online that you might buy books, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and then any independent retailers online as well. And then our website is doneanddonehome.com and our Instagram is the same, doneanddonehome.com. So you can learn everything you want right there. And please feel free to send us questions, right? It, anybody, any of your listeners or you, um, we're happy to help, right? Or just say, like, this is what I'm trying to do. I got stuck with this, right? You can DM us or whatever. We're happy to help answer those questions. Well, again, I appreciate this opportunity. Thank you so much. It's been, been a great conversation. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Hey, thanks for listening to the Don Newton Podcast. And a special thank you to my guests, Ann Lightfoot and Kate Pulowski, co-authors of Love Your Home Again, Organize Your Space, and Uncover the Home of Your Dreams. More information about Ann and Kate's work can be found at doneanddonehome.com. And be sure and check out my website, donnewton.com. The Don Newton Podcast is written, produced, and hosted by Don Newton. Don't